I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. Dear listeners out there in, in South Dakota and the greater region, we are in week three of the South Dakota legislative session. Yours truly is staying busy. We've got uh, four positions on various bills uh, by the bishops of South Dakota at this point. encourage everybody to go to sdcatholicconference.org and look at the 2021 legislative session to see what those position statements are. One bill that I am just particularly excited about, number of great bills out there, but but a, a bill that um, is, is touching a topic that deserves attention. Uh, Senate Bill 98 is a bill that would eliminate in many cases, in fact, we maybe could even say most cases, capital punishment as a penalty uh, for, for, for crimes in South Dakota. Joining me on the program today, I'm going to have two, de- uh, two guests. First, I've got Deacon uh, Denny Davis. Uh, Deacon Davis is a deacon of the Diocese of Sioux Falls um, and is, has been working really tirelessly for many years. So we're going to visit with him first, and then we're going to turn to Dr. Chris Bergwald, uh, the Director of Adult Discipleship and Faith Formation for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. We're going to kind of dive into the catechism and some other theology there. So uh, first, Deacon Davis, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm, I'm so delighted that you're here. And um, I, I know that, that you care very deeply about Senate Bill 98, and I really want you know, others uh, of faith in the state of South Dakota to know what's in the bill and, and why it's important. So maybe just, you know, what are we looking at here in Senate Bill 98? What does it do? Well, to ask for death uh, by law in this state, there are 10 aggravating, what they call aggravating circumstances. And any one of these circumstances that are met during trial, uh, they can ask for death. So what we have done in this bill, it's Senate Bill SB 98. And uh, you can go to uh, SouthDakota.gov to look it up, to read the bill. Uh, We have eliminated nine of the aggravating circumstances and only kept one. The one that we have kept is if you kill a police officer or prison personnel or a fireman who is on duty, then they can still ask for the death penalty. So it's just a way for us to um, reduce the death penalty in this state. Uh, When I first came here eight years ago, we tried for two years for a total repeal of the death penalty. Mm. And that didn't even get out of committee. The last two years, uh, we asked a, in a bill to uh, uh, exempt the severely mentally ill from the death penalty. I remember, and the Catholic Conference supported that bill right. uh, with pleasure. The Catholic Conference, uh, actually the Catholic Diocese, both dioceses have supported us even before we became a conference. Right. And so we always got a letter from the bishops, you know, uh, uh, who have always been for life, all of life from, you know, birth to death. So it's always been exciting to us to have that kind of support. But we failed with the severe mental illness. We never could get it out of committee. So uh, uh, Senator Lee Schoenbeck this year asked if we could do this type of a bill. He's always thought that if we could protect the first responders, that it would be important to most people, even though we are taking away the other aggravating circumstances in the bill. So we're trying it this year. We'll see how it goes. I think it probably looks pretty good in the Senate. I always encourage people to write their senators, write their representatives. It's very important that they hear from you. You can either email them. If you write them a letter to their home address, 
they do read those letters. Anytime people take the time to write a letter, it's very important to your representatives that you know, you've taken the time to do that. You can also call here. All of this information is on the SouthDakota.gov website. And um, please, you know, we, we can use all the help that we can get. Uh, we're confident that this bill may go somewhere. You know, you never know until the vote, you know, comes through. So uh, we'll see where it goes. And, and with Dr. Birdwald next, we're going to talk a little bit about some of uh, the church teaching here. And one of the things that, that you brought up is that it doesn't actually eliminate all of capital punishment. But when we get to Dr. Birdwald, we'll talk a little bit about uh, incrementalism. And this, this, this endorsement, essentially, I think it was something John Paul wrote about. Of, yeah, we can, take, we can take good steps. And that's what this is, is it's really eliminating um, many of the bases in our statute. Um, not all of them, but many of them. Um, so, so glad to see the political, um, you know, calculation there, but also some, some strength. You know, what are, um, what are the arguments that you've seen in the past just politically? And then how do you, how do you respond to some of those arguments, you know, as an advocate for right. legislation like this? Well, for one thing, I always respond nonviolently. Hmm. I think it's very important to respect people where they're at. Uh, we've been doing this for a very long time, not only in this state, but in this country, so having a non-combative disposition, dealing yeah. with others in charity and goodwill. And, right, yes, right. It's, yes. It's very important to really begin to establish relationships. I've had instances where I've, I've been able to do that with people who are very strong supporters of the death penalty. And a year or two later, I come back and they support us. And so when you can get someone on uh, going with you, who you respect and who you treat with respect, you know, the word respect, I don't know most people know this, the root word to respect means that you look twice. Mm. And so when you look at twice at someone, the second time usually is different from the first time. I never thought of that. And yeah. I love etymology, re-spectacle. Right. We're going to look again. That's exactly right. Wow. And so I think everyone needs, if we're going to be people for life, we have to do that in our communication also. Yeah. We have to talk to people like they are real people. You know, yeah, and uh, that's also the way we need to look to people who break the law, right? Especially those on death row. Yes, they've done horrible crimes. They've done terrible things. No question about it. I actually visit the guys on death row. Well, there's only one now. Yeah, but uh, when you get into a relationship with these guys, it's no different than any other relationship. Yeah, there's a, there's a trust there. You can talk to one another, and you can support one another right where you're at. So for me. I mean, that for me is the core of the gospel teaching. Well, and as Archbishop uh, Coakley, who I believe is down in Oklahoma, he's a chair of one of the U.S. bishops committee, committees that deals with this at the federal level. As he's put it so eloquently, to be opposed to the death penalty does not mean being soft on crime. It means being strong on life. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Um, and I, I work in the prison with a team called Alternative to Violence. It's a Quaker program. And so we really get into very deep relationships with these guys that are in prison, especially the lifers. And uh, you would be amazed. Everyone in South Dakota should go into the prison and meet prisoners. Mm. Because what you learn is, oh, they're just human beings like me. Yeah. Yes, they've made mistakes, yeah. but they're not animals. You know, they're not the bad words that they're called, you know. Yeah. And very often. Someone, Chris, who has been raised in violence, whether it's sexual violence, physical violence, drug addiction, do we expect them to be model citizens? 
And we teach the guys in the prison, hurt people, hurt people. Mm. And if you're traumatized as a child, probably there's going to be problems in your adulthood if you're not helped, you know, yeah. in the meantime. Well, well, that's a good point. And I think that that's, uh, that's just using that word hurt too is really striking because we know that's actually in our woundedness, whether it's our personal woundedness or woundedness, woundedness as a society, it's actually in that exact place that Jesus wants to meet us and save us. Right. So, so when we recognize the dignity of another human being, even in their woundedness, yes. like what an opportunity to, to make known the salvation that Jesus offers us. And if you really read the gospel closely, um, Jesus always walked towards the pain. Mm. Always. I, I came not for the well, but for, for, for the, the sick. Ones who were lost. It's, it is, it is not the, it's not the well that need a physician. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. Um, maybe just in the couple minutes remaining, Let's say we get out of uh, committee, I think, on Thursday. So you listeners who are tuning in. It'll be a week from tomorrow. Oh, a week. February 3rd, I think it is, the first Tuesday in February. Committee is going to be first yes. Tuesday in February. Judiciary Committee in the Senate. Okay, so first, first ask is we're going to get in touch with those uh, senators. And, uh, and following that, what do you expect um, when it goes to the floor? In the well, Senate? the one thing I would ask in the committee is that you, uh, Senator Schoenbeck, Senator Rush is the prime sponsor from Vermilion, that you send them a note or an email thanking them, you know, for their courage to bring this bill uh, mm. and, and, wh and where it's at to the Senate. I think probably on the floor uh, right now, I think we do have the votes, but you never know, Chris, until they vote. That's right. You never know where it's going to go. So, you know, I've talked to uh, almost all of them now, given them the bill and had discussions with them. So we'll see, you know, yeah. we'll see where that goes. Well, well, we, and we really need people to, to, to reach out and share their voice. Catholic voices count yes. in this society. Uh, anything, to, anything to add by way of closing, Deacon? I guess, you know, uh, one of my passions is to reach out to murder victim family members. Mm. These people suffer tremendously. We need to, instead of putting the money that we do into death cases, we need to really put some money into helping the murder victim's family members. I have asked uh, both bishops, well, actually the both prior bishops, if through their counseling arms, they could really help people for a couple of years at no cost, because very normally they're poor, uh, to really deal with the grief they're going through, with the trauma that they have experienced, so they can heal. Yeah. If I think we need to, to become, as Jesus taught us, a church that heals rather than punishes. Healing is the ministry of Jesus. Well, and, and, and human beings, I mean, we're just worth it. God, God sent his son to save us, and we have his very own image inscribed on us. So Deacon Denny Davis, thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing about Senate Bill 98. Thank you, Chris, and God bless you. Well, that was great to be visiting with Deacon Denny Davis. Uh, one of the engines behind Senate Bill 98, an act to uh, eliminate the death penalty in most uh, cases in the state of South Dakota. It's something that, um, that that Catholics and a number of other of our fellow citizens have been working on uh, for a long time. If you're just joining us, uh, this is a, an episode of Faith and Politics, and we're going to turn now to Dr. Chris Bergwald. Uh, Dr. Bergwald is the Director of Adult Discipleship and Faith, for, Faith Formation for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. We're going to uh, dive into the catechism a little bit and talk a little more about uh, the church's teaching um, behind uh, our position, the Catholic Conference's position in support of Senate Bill 98. Dr. Bergwald, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Chris, for having me. Well, I'm really grateful that uh, um, that you took the time to visit. As things happen during the legislative session, things happen kind of uh, fast. So, I uh, got this scheduled last minute. Uh, thanks to modern technology, we are visiting, uh, reporting from on location in Pierce, South Dakota. <laughs> And you're back in your office. So, Chris, to kick us off, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, the, the pertinent provision of the catechism. So, to maybe start our conversation, I'm just going to read it. And for uh, folks keeping keep score at home, you can open your catechism to paragraph 2267. Here's what it says. Um, recourse to the death penalty on the part of legitimate authority following a fair trial was long considered an appropriate response to the gravity of certain crimes and, and an acceptable, albeit extreme, means of safeguarding the common good. It goes on. Today, however, there is an increasing awareness that the dignity of the person is not lost even after the commission of very serious crimes. In addition, a new understanding has emerged of the significance of penal sanctions imposed by the state. Lastly, more effective systems of detention have been developed, which ensure that the due protection of citizens, but at the same time, do not definitively deprive the guilty of the possibility of redemption. Consequently, consequently the church teaches in light of the gospel that the death penalty is inadmissible because it is an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person. She works with determination for its abolition worldwide, end quote. And I realized right as I said that, hey, turn to your, open your catechism uh, at home, that, that if folks uh, have a catechism that's, you know, maybe one of the earlier editions or um, it, it actually, it, the language is going to be a little different. There was an update in the last couple of years. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, Chris, you know, what, when you hear that and just kind of knowing what you know about the update, what, what can we take away and what should we know here? Yeah, so th this was um, a, a new edition of 2267. As you just noted, um, I, had I had pulled off my own copy of the catechism. Um, the edition, the second edition, which was promulgated and published in 1997, uh, and it, does, it reads differently because this was a revision that was made um, almost three years ago, back in 2018, of paragraph 2267 to, to specify in light of present circumstances the church's perennial teaching on the death penalty. So those words that I use there I think are, are important to take note of, Chris. The church's perennial teaching. So um, in light and in light of present circumstances. So one of the things that the church is always doing, uh, her something that she's been called to do, uh, commissioned to do by her Lord, by God, is to take his the richness, the beauty, the goodness, and the truth of his teachings and bring it to bear in, in um, circumstances throughout history, to teach what he has said and what does that mean for our lives today. So specifically with regard to paragraph 2267 of, of the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the matter of the death penalty, the, the church is teaching what she out, has been doing for many, many years John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, and now Pope Francis, just making clear um, that that uh, while it's sometimes um, so th there might be some some conceivable circumstances in which we we might need to use death death penalty today in modern circumstances, um, it's become in, in most cases inadmissible. So we ought not, as a matter of recourse, 
um, sentence people to death in modern states, in modern society. Yeah. Uh, there are a variety of reasons why that might be necessary, even in the past and, and for, uh, potentially in the future. But today, if in, our, in South Dakota, there's no need to put somebody to death. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. And I think, you know, that word is, is folks are maybe pulling it up in their newer catechisms, the 2018 edition or, uh, or, or newer, and, and also maybe pulling it up online, which is what I've just done right here, is that it does say today, however, there's an increasing awareness. So it's actually kind of giving us um, a little signpost, a little uh, signal, if you will, that, um, that we, we are talking about something contemporary that, we are, that, that we're speaking to. One question I get it I get a lot, Chris, uh, that I'd like to just unpack a little bit is is what's the difference between uh, an intrinsic evil and a contingent evil? And the reason I want to talk about this is because you know as citizens of 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 this great land, as we like to say on faith and politics, you know sometimes we use political um, po- political. I don't want to say slogans, because that almost cheapens it, but we have like phrases that help us understand what we're talking about. They're almost like shortcuts to, to get us to target. And so when we talk about the pro-life movement, you know, we, we often say, and very appropriately, we're pro-life from conception and natural death. Absolutely. But at the same time, the moral reasoning that we use, you know, some of the moral analysis that gets us to those conclusions when we're talking about maybe um, the destruction of innocent life in the womb, and talking about um, capital punishment for somebody who's been, been a judge uh, guilty by a you know, fair trial and so forth. Like the, the processes of getting to these conclusions are different. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And so, the the the, the um, with regard to the taking of of human life, the the principle the church has always has long articulated, uh, has always held at least in some sense, but now more explicitly articulated. It's always um, a great, it's an intrinsically wrong, intrinsically evil to deliberately take the life of an innocent human being. Um, the intrinsic evil is, is not. It's always wrong. You can never do it. You can Ever. never do it. Ever. But, but the, to, to the deliberately, intentionally, knowingly take the life of an innocent human being. The reason why, so just, you can already, I think, anticipate, the reason why the church has and continues to teach that the death penalty is not intrinsically wrong. It's admissible today in modern culture, but it's not intrinsically wrong because it's not the taking of, deliberate taking of an innocent human life, fair trial, et cetera, et cetera, um, presuming all of those things. So there is, a, there is a difference there between why the church says something like abortion is, is, is how she speaks about abortion as intrinsic evil, as opposed to death penalty not being an intrinsic evil, but as you said, contingent evil, because given the current circumstances. So in that, you know, that little phrase has come up just a number of times right now, uh, just current circumstances. So what are we, you know, what are we talking about current circumstances? Um, you, you know, I think sometimes it's maybe easy for us too to get, get pigeonholed and just life where we are, but we maybe need to remember too that um, humanity hasn't always had it as good in a certain sense as, right. as we have it in the 21st century. You know, our, our wealth as a human family is surpasses like really what it, what it ever has. And, you know, we, we live far beyond what Kings lived 500 years ago. So, um, 
you know, so even having just a different outlook and just taking, pulling ourselves out of our present day circumstances. And that's what, that's what I think the, the statement is doing is it's kind of zooming in uh, right. on, okay, here we are right now. Right. Because, because um, 500 years ago, you could not safely incarcerate somebody who is dangerous to other people. Right. You know, today, we can. So why, why, would we, uh, why would we assign the death penalty? The church would say it's not necessarily uh, because of the, uh, the uh, retributive justice. It's mm. to protect society. Uh, you know, when somebody, somebody um, uh, is charged with convicted of, I don't know, beating somebody else, you're the lawyer, whatever, the, whatever kind of crime that is. Battery. Uh, Battery, battery, right. Yeah. Do we, do we, do we, is, is the penalty imposed on them to, to beat them in turn? Just you beat somebody else. So we're going to beat, no, we, we incarcerate them. The way that we impose uh, retributive justice is, is not necessarily to exact the same crime or the same act on the person that they were guilty of committing. Mm, well put. I want to, uh, about five or six minutes here left. And I, I want to turn, um, to a letter to the bishops. This is from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. It's a letter to the bishops regarding the new revision of number 2267 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the death penalty. Uh, I'm looking at it right now on my computer and it's, um, if my recollection serves, this came out in the week or two following, I think, um, the, the revision. And, and one of the things that, you know, the more I learn and dive into church teaching, the more I learn, actually, the catechism is, is in some ways like just a summary um, of what the church teaches and believes. Right. So there's, there's always, and, it, and we know that if we go through the footnotes, which, which sometimes I even dive into those footnotes, like, oh, what's the source document say? And, you know, okay, here's this council or that father. It's, so, so I see this letter as maybe just providing a little more, um, a little more context and teaching. Um, for what is a, a summary in 2267. Um, any salient features of that letter that jump out at you that, that you'd mention? Yeah, so one, and I, I think maybe we've already spoken to it a little bit, but um, it, the, the, the seventh point, seventh article in this letter, uh, it makes clear that this is a teaching which is not in contradiction, but in fact with continuity with, mm. with prior church teaching. Again, yes. um, what the church teaches being perennially true cannot, well, what was true yesterday is not true today. Um, so there can be growth in understanding. Uh, there can be difference of application, giving present circumstances. Again, I think that's the case here. But, but the, the, this document makes clear that this is, we're not talking about a, a, a reversal or contradiction to previous church teaching. It's a development in light, again, of present circumstances. So Article 8 in particular speaks to that. Uh, Chris, do we have time for me just to quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah please. We, we've, we've got uh, four minutes left. All right. So all of this shows that the new formulation of number 2267 of the Catechism expresses an authentic development of doctrine that is not in contradiction with the prior teachings of the magisterium. These teachings, in fact, can be explained in the light of the primary responsibility of the public authority to protect the common good in a social context in which the penal sanctions were understood differently. 
and had developed in an environment in which it was more difficult to guarantee that the criminal could not repeat his crime. So a couple of things here. The second one we've already spoken to, um, to ensure that the criminal could not repeat his crime, but also uh, a growth, uh, a different social context in which the penal sanctions were understood differently. So again, what's the state's responsibility? There's been a shift in understanding in, in, in our time of, of what the state's responsibility is with regard to um, sanctions against those convicted of wrongdoing. And it's in light of that shift in understanding, the church has said, okay, again, present circumstances, the death penalty is no longer necessary uh, and therefore should be an inadmissible. Not intrinsically evil, but inadmissible. Yeah, that's, uh, and I, I do think that language too, inadmissible is, is maybe language that, uh, okay, what does that mean? We haven't seen that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not, um, just to be clear too, our, our reasoning is is a bit different than, it's different than an intrinsic evil, um, but but at the same time, um, in complete continuity, I, I think a really great point to emphasize: complete continuity with um, with the teaching of the church. And, and one of the things that jumps out at me as I read this letter to the bishops from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, sort of this this chief uh, doctrinal um, body office. of the Vatican yeah. office. Thank you. Is is that it? It, it takes pains too to emphasize. Um, it, just the continuity of the last several popes and, you know, John Paul uh, and Benedict, even speaking specifically to us as Americans, I think one of the things that, that we sometimes forget as Americans is that in the developed world, we're kind of lonely. Um, we're outliers uh, in, in the number of people that we execute. I, I think we're surpassed by China. If I remember the numbers, you know, I think North Korea is up there and some of the countries in the Middle East. But when we talk about, you know, North and South America, Europe, what are generally called maybe the developed countries. Uh, uh, America, um, we just execute large, large numbers of, of, of people, um, which, you know, thank, thanks be to God, that's not the case in South Dakota, um, much less than other places in the country. Um, but, but nevertheless, we, we still, there's a, um, there's a young man on, on death row right now. Hey, Chris, one other thing I want to mention, just as I'm looking at this letter, um, is it, it's paragraph 10, article 10, down at, down at the bottom. It says, the new formulation of number 2267 of the Catechism of the Catholic, Catholic Church desires to give energy to a movement towards a decisive commitment to favor a mentality that recognizes the dignity of every human life and in respectful dialogue with civil authorities to encourage the creation of conditions that allow for the elimination of the death penalty where it is still in effect. I receive that as like, oh my goodness, the church is being a, a prophetic pastor in, in a sense of reading the signs of the times um, and, and really just like actually seeing as a pastor, we need to, we need to actually, uh, we need to speak these truths right now because the world really ne needs to hear them. Is that, is that how you take that too? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a real, I'm glad you emphasized or, or drew our attention to that article, Chris. I, um, the church is saying, and as she's always taught, even when death penalty was far more common, um, that every person has dignity, even those who commit heinous and abhorrent crimes, they still have intrinsic human dignity. And so now the church is saying, in light, again, in light of uh, new uh, our ability to safely incarcerate people, in order to emphasize and remind us of this truth that even the worst criminals still have human dignity, we can we can imprison them, but we needn't 
and in our times perhaps ought not take their life. Very good. Well, we are out of time. I'm so grateful that you were able to join us, Chris. And, uh, and thanks to our dear listeners for tuning in. Until next time, live well.